And now, it is time for News with My Dad, a show we talk about the news with my dad. And on the line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. Star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I've got two hours worth of news, and you've cut it to 50 minutes, so we better get at it. I don't know what to do with that. I never know what to do with that. <laughs> I understand in your world, Supreme Court Justice Adrian Nelson is no, nothing actually, but is, is nothing but I a delay. Understand, I, I understand in our privileged universe that she is nothing right more than wrong. dilatory. I just, I just have this fantasy that we're supposed to start at seven thirty. Supposed to start when it's time to start. <laughs> and now it is time to start the show. We talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. And not only my father's impatience and my imperfection as a child. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout out? Four. I have four shout outs. Four. And then you wonder why we run out of time. It started out with one. I think four is a record. Well, I want to shout out for the NASCAR drivers who walked with Bubba after the noose was discovered, which turns out was not a bad thing after all. It had been there for months. But nonetheless, well, not a bad thing. What do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. NASCAR drivers walked with him. That's a major statement for NASCAR, which has been a, a kind of a racist organization historically. Second, I want to shout out for the six deans, Divinity School deans, who published an open letter demanding moral leadership in the country and really going after DDT for his awful photo op in front of the church. I want to shout out for NASA that has named its headquarters after Mary W. Jackson, the African-American woman who had a huge influence on the success of the space program and now is a, a movie about. And last, I especially want to shout out for Aaron Zelensky, the DOJ lawyer who has called out Barr, oh, William Barr, who has got to be one of the most corrupt public officials we have ever had. Aaron, my compliments to you. I Dad, it was that four I lost track. Can you hear me? So you, said, you said something. I, I did say something. Where do you want to start? I'll tell you where I want to start. X-Ray, and I want to shout out to Kate Kay, and we'll probably talk to her about this as well, but just released a new story, original journalism, uh, that Kate Kay is leading here at X-Ray, uh, about the noose discovery, not a, new, not a noose that, what, the NASCAR thing just turned out to be a rope that had been there for a while? Was that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it turned out it just it had just been so it was easy to pull down the the door of the garage. So the uh, it looks like there was a genuine noose discovery that was dismissed for weeks by foreman at a Portland building site, and yes, um, the investigation is underway right now. Uh, it was Anderson Construction. We've had the head of Anderson Construction here on the air previously, and and we reported on it some months ago. And the, and the foreman responded that it was probably a joke and did nothing further. Uh, the apprentice then went to the Anderson foreman who indicated he would address it at a foreman's meeting, but later indicated to the apprentice that he had forgotten about it. The apprentice took it upon herself to remove the noose when those in charge took no action. On this site, and, and it's a window into, uh, into 
how we, I think, need to better appreciate and better understand so many industries, including the construction industry. Construction industry with such a long history of, of racial, racial exclusion, uh, both explicit and implicit, and trying to create spaces that feel welcoming. So when a person is deciding what they're going to do, they say, oh, yeah, I could imagine myself being a construction worker, that, oh, how do you make sure that you create an environment when there are young people who want to think it would be a cool thing to be a construction worker, and we can't ensure that we have safe workplaces and that kind of stuff is taken care of. Yeah. Uh, Dad, where do you want to start? Well, I'd like to start. Well, I should say, I'd I like should say, by the way, that you can check that out. If you go to, if you go to xray.fm and click on the blog, uh, you can, that's the lead story there. Uh, we'll also have it on the local, that's the daily uh, local news podcast. But go ahead, Pop. I'd like to start out with election because there was an election yesterday in several states. And one of the most important things we should note is that the election news is somewhat limited because other states are getting more and more mail-in ballots, but they have not organized themselves as organized. But more important is because the other states allow you to mail it on election day so it gets counted as long as it is postmarked on election day. So... That means you mail trickles in two, three, four days later. So historically, the election night party is is going the way of the dodo in many states. There are no election night parties because you really don't know. But there are some things that are very significant, particularly in New York. New York and in Virginia, but New York, the uh, there is definitely a move in Democratic districts to the left. Jamal Bowman looks like, although the votes aren't counted, he has a huge lead over Congressman Elliot Engel, almost certain. AOC, AOC got more than 70% of the vote. I have to chuckle, her Republican opponent, I got an email from her Republican opponent saying, hey, listen, we're going to win this because 30% of AOC's voters voted against her. It was actually 27% something percent but that is just so so funny uh ruben diaz the really reactionary democratic congressman looks like he's getting beat by richie torres who was clearly to the left of him uh Samuelis, the uh, young woman looks like she's not going to get it but again there's more to be counted but the pretty pretty heavy lead there the uh Kentucky Kentucky Senator is the nomination who's going to be running in the Democratic as uh, the nominee in Kentucky for the United States Senate. Still too close to call, although... Is it? It's looking to me that the results I'm seeing right now on, on Vox.com, that's with a V, not an F, uh, Amy McGrath up on Charles Booker. Uh, it's only four thousand votes, but it is forty-eight percent to thirty-five percent. Yeah, it was. It was, but but because there were so few votes counted, and and you don't know where those votes came from. Cameron Webb, the African American doctor in Virginia, has been has got the nomination. There, there, there is a trend that I see from this. Do you have any Do you have any other thoughts on on uh, just the elections generally? The uh, 
Well, I guess the thing that caught my eye, I was watching the McGrath race, and it's so hard to know. I mean, there's an old theme of what's the best chance to win a general. Now, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's race is not a model for national elections. It's more like any more than East Portland electing, uh, the, the east side of Portland, etc., electing Earl Blumenauer is a model for statewide elections. But the uh, but Kentucky does bring up an old theme, and that is I just saw that Carly Fiorina announced that she, you know, former Republican candidate for president uh, who ran against Donald Trump, has announced that she's going to vote for Joe Biden. And you have sort of these uh, these these Republicans who have decided to vote for Joe Biden, and and there are many, particularly many in the media, who say, ah, this is Biden's strength. He's going to be able to go to that middle. And then others who look at the math and say, well, the mum, the number of like switchover Republicans, that's a number. And it's worth twice because if you if a Republican candidate loses one and the Democratic candidate gains one, that flip actually matters. But the other thing that matters is turnout, of course, right, is more people participating. And what I don't know about Kentucky, I'm fascinated by Kentucky because the Democratic establishment folks, and I don't say that as a knock in the way that others might say that as a knock. I'm not, I don't mean that to say it's some sort of star chamber. That's not what I mean. But the folks who are around picking candidates, they were saying that Amy McGrath, wow, she's like a fighter pilot. This is the candidate we need to give a, Democrats a chance to beat uh, Mitch McConnell. And then progressive activists were like, hey, wait a minute, you know, Charles Booker. Charles Booker is, has better politics, perhaps, and maybe would be a better candidate. And what I don't know about is in the South, the chance for Democrats to win is to activate. I mean, it's not the only chance, but it might be the most important chance for Democrats to win in the South is to activate African-American voters. And so an African-American uh, candidate for the U.S. Senate uh, that is an interesting dynamic in that in that Kentucky race. The other one that I'll give is you asked sort of my thoughts on the election is the newest poll for Donald Trump that uh, that the now into Wisconsin where Trump is heading towards Wisconsin. A new poll shows that Biden is building a lead there. The national polls, which were misleading last time, not because the polls were wrong, but because if you look at a national poll in the context of an electoral college, what you really need to be doing is what's happening, looking at is what's happening in those that those battleground states. But nonetheless, Donald Trump last poll I saw down to 37 percent approval. His disapproval over covid-19 is now up like a 58 percent. And it's and he's not doing a great job of dealing with this crisis and now going from politics to reality or the intersection of those things, politics is real too, is now we know that the president has cut funding for COVID-19 testing. Days 13 places, 13 places, including four in Houston, which is a real hotspot. Wow. Days after saying he wanted to slow down testing. And you know, there were a lot of it was always oh, just a joke. He was just joking. And, you know, it sounded like sort of a joke. Well, it's not a joke if then right after he says it, he goes and stops the testing. And this was the move from the beginning. We know this was the move from the beginning, Dad. Early on, we didn't test. We know that they were meeting in the Oval Office or wherever he likes to have his meetings. 
And they were saying, well, what should we do? Well, we could really gear up testing. We could really get ready. We could get ready with contact tracing. We could try to do the same move that South Korea did, try to do the same move that New Zealand did, and take the bitter pill of a quick shutdown, get this thing eradicated, and make sure almost nobody has it. And then the only thing we have to do is make sure that we don't get it from foreign countries uh, and anybody bringing it in, if we can quell it here in the United States, instead of becoming the world's hot spot for the thing. And what he realized, well, no, and what they discussed, we just know we must have done this. He said, well, no, if we test, then everybody's going to know. And everybody knows, then they're going to shut down the economy. And if the economy goes down, that's going to hurt 401ks. And if 401ks go down, I got no chance at re-election. And I am disgusted by it. I know that's not new for me to say that, but I'm disgusted by it. Let's talk about COVID. Yeah, we've had over 120,000 people die. And the thing I saw the other day, it's like, oh, that, that Republicans will be okay with a, with a white president allowing 120,000 people to die. But they won't. But they won't be allowed, they, they, they won't be cool with the black president giving them health care. And if, if trends continue, it could be 180,000 by October. 29 states, the count is up. Texas, California, and Florida, which, by the way, have 25% of the United States population. 25% in those states are seriously looking up and that that's that's up in count that's that's down in success new york has said uh, we're going to forbid folks well we're going to require folks coming in from nine different states to quarantine themselves for 14 days that's going to be interesting seeing how they manage to police that uh, we'll have to see the uh, the uh, CDC has admitted that it screwed up with te- with the tests that they did have at early on, and, and I don't know how the CDC boss holds it. Well, I guess he holds his job because he really sucks up. Uh, he must suck up to the EDT, but, but I don't know how he holds his job. The Pope, the Pope has told priests who don't follow or follow guidelines for dis- distancing and masks and so on. He said, you are adolescents. Good for the Pope. Major, Major League Baseball, is it going to come back? It says it's going to come back, but I'll believe it when I see the first game actually played. New York Marathon has been canceled because of COVID. Vice President Pence is telling uh, rep- Republican senators, you need to be telling folks all of the encouraging signs we have on COVID. Encouraging signs are are kind of hard to find, but then was that that's the line from the guy who DDT has put in charge of supposedly the effort to deal with to successfully deal with COVID. The the wife of the president of Ukraine has tested positive. Uh, one of the real winners, the economic real winners from COVID, is the plexiglass industry. Have you heard about that? Have I have you not. Understand why well, that of is? course, of course. I hadn't thought about the plexiglass industry. But yeah, any store you go to, they've got to have new plexiglass installed right in front of the teller. Exactly. And, and plexiglass dividers in offices, all, all kinds of the plexiglass, they're having difficulty filling their orders should have bought plexiglass stock. 
the uh, there are watches and rings Fitbit has a ring that may be able to tell you two or three days before you become symptomatic that you already have the virus they're training dogs to detect the virus so detection ability may be going up we're still a long way from knowing though about antibodies and whether antibodies really mean you're not going to get it again there's just so much we still don't know about this virus well, let's take a quick break. We're just listening to something from my dad's favorite playlist. You're listening to X-Ray FM News with my dad. I'm Jeff. This is my dad, Pop. The legislative session or the legislature is in special session right now. Yes, they have. And they're almost all of them wearing masks. But there are two. The House, House put a rule you have to wear a mask. The Senate just said, please do. And so two senators, Boquist and Linthicum, did not wear masks, which which just reminds me of how politicized the right has made masks and the far right. And, and th- this is, I just need to tell quick this story because it demonstrates Oshkosh every year has the biggest aviation thing maybe in the world. It has a big, close to 100,000 pilots and hangers-on and passengers gather thousands of planes all land at an airport in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And it's been called off this year, as lots of things have been called off. The New York Marathon has been called off because of the virus. And there are over 600 pilots who are saying, we're coming anyway. Uh, Oshkosh has said they're going to close the airport, but we're coming anyway because we're not going to let the government tell us what we do. One guy has said, we're not going to be deluded by the scam that the scandemic, he calls it. But th- these you threw me on talking about a Wisconsin. You, you threw me on talking about a Wisconsin uh, uh, airport in the well, legislative but, but, story. Oh, this is, but this just is because of Boquist and Linthicum who wouldn't wear their masks. The, the, the cops, the cops are opposing every single bill that's been introduced for the special session. And by the way, special session is dealing not just with with police, but it's also dealing with COVID. There, there are all kinds of bills, and I'm looking forward to hearing your report on it, because usually a special session is called for one single thing and usually just one single bill. They're just a raft of bills. How long are they going to be in session? I, I don't know if they're going to deal with anything about the Wisconsin airport. I do want to, I will pile on to your comment about the mask wearing, that according to COVID19.healthdata.org, if we wear masks, if na- if nationwide mask wearing takes place, projected deaths will be 104 total. Will be 145,000 deaths. 25,000 more people will die than from right now. Oh, that 23,000. If we don't wear masks, the project the best projections are that 180,000 people will die. That means that if we do or don't wear masks, that's a difference of 35,000 people dying or not dying. Compare that, not just the overall COVID deaths, compare those 35,000 deaths to other mass killing events in our nation's history. And just that decision to impose mask wearing or not 
Killing or not killing 35,000 human beings is a historic decision. And the fact that there is a political party that thinks it's kind of cool or that somehow that's just hype or it's science and therefore bad or human life and therefore not as important as, I don't know, the signal that would be sent to consumers if masks were being worn, it sickens me. And it ain't just about a president. It's about an entire movement. It's an entire movement that either has to be persuaded or it just has to be defeated at the ballot box. I speak for myself, not for the station. Now. And there could be no better example of what you're talking about than what we saw in Tulsa and what we saw in Arizona when DDT gathered with almost no masks in their crowds, almost none. Those folks, they're showing them, by golly. Well, we'll see, we'll see what Darwinian effect that has. I, I have to confess that, I, that I'm hoping those 35,000 deaths, that if, if those happen that they tend to tilt towards the right. Well, yeah, and I'm not going to comment on that, Pop. But uh, what I, and if I'm going to comment, I mean, it, it sort of makes me uncomfortable to hear that. But the, uh, but what I, it, on the science, what we know is that close quarters, family to family, friend to friend, that seems to be what's really dangerous. And the challenge is, and that's why social distancing works so well. We haven't seen an uptick in COVID-19 cases in towns that have had the biggest protests. Being outside next to somebody, maybe that's similar to inside a very large arena at a Trump rally, doesn't seem to be the greatest risk. But being in close quarters around people, being inside a little store, inside a little shop, standing right next to somebody in line for a long time, that kind of stuff does seem to be dangerous. I'll step off my science fake, uh, fake stool right now and get back to something I know a little bit better, which is the legislative special session. So here's the thing. Originally, the uh, they called it and we're going to deal with police police accountability and they announced six things they were going to try to do that included some things that they weren't going to try to do i'm going to go over nine i've got four things that right now still seem to be alive two things that seem to be getting punted and three things and then infinity things that uh, that aren't even getting attempted Okay, this is what's happening in the Oregon legislature right now. And by the way, I think this is as up-to-date as any, I think it's more up-to-date than any media report I've seen. Because I didn't see anything up-to-date enough, I had to go do my own reporting late last night. Okay, so here's the four bills that look to be happening. One is a duty to intervene. So when a police officer sees another police officer doing something that is against the rules, that they are themselves required to do something. So if something like George Floyd's uh, horrific uh, episode was happening, then one of the other officers, instead of just standing, looking around, trying to keep other people back, they would have the duty to intervene on that officer. That's one thing. Second, creation of a statewide database of police misconduct. But right now, the current version of that bill is being viewed by many advocates as weak sauce, that because there isn't actually going to be good enough data put in there, and that data isn't going to be easily enough shared with other folks. So there's more, uh, so there needs to be more work done on that, but at least that bill remains alive. Third, Lou Frederick's bill on arbitration. Similar thing that their, their advocates are wanting to strengthen uh, that bill, but that bill is still alive. That, you know, Lou's bill will pass. I think one of the things that, uh, that Senator Frederick has not appreciated is that uh, sufficiently is that his bill will pass whatever his bill is. I really believe that's the case, that he has the keys to the kingdom right now more than he's ever had in his career. And so there's some advocates who want him to, you know, really rev up the engine. But anyway. And the fourth thing that looks to happen, and the arbitration change, that means that the arbitrator cannot reverse, uh, an arbitrator cannot reverse a, a misconduct ruling, uh, and that's, that's what that's about. 
Then fourth is a chokehold down. Okay, Dad, those are the four things that look like they are going to happen. Here are two things that look like they've already been punted or going to be punted. One is having the Attorney General investigate use of force. Either That, that makes me so sad. In fact, I, I emailed Lou, and he responded. I told him that I would really like to be invited to testify on that, and he emailed me back. He said he'd try to make it happen, and he has not. I have not well, had well you, don't, you don't have to be invited. I just have to sign up. But that's that's one that really should happen. This is uh, shucks. I should have, if I'd known you want to testify, you don't need to be invited. You just have to sign up. You had to sign up in advance. There's testimony today, testimony this morning. In fact, it might even be if you sign up. Shoot, I think you had to sign up yesterday. But it might be that if you sign up at nine, you can testify at ten. Right afterwards, right after this, I will I will text somebody. If you do want to testify, we might be able to make that happen. Uh, the uh, so anyway, those are the four things that are happening. And by the way, that is one of the themes of this. This process is not being built right now for uh, public engagement. They, this hugely short timeline, the defense of it is, oh, well, let's get something done right now. While people are marching in the streets, let's make sure we actually get something done right now. That can be applauded. The other challenge, though, is there's not a lot of chance for the citizenry to wait in. They have these uh, waiting periods prior to being able to testify. In order to testify, I think it was yesterday, you had to register the day beforehand instead of being able to show up to the hearing. Uh, And that's not all. It doesn't seem all to be justified by COVID-19 stuff. Furthermore, okay, here are the couple. uh, One other thing getting punted, barring tear gas and rubber bullets. It looks like, by the way, the attorney general investigation thing, that's going to turn into like a task force and they'll review it, maybe come back with some recommendation, whatever. But that's that's unfortunate at this point. Then barring tear gas and rubber bullets doesn't look like that is going to pass. It doesn't like that's going to get get moving. And then here are the things that are not even on the agenda. One is reforming qualified immunity. For some, this is maybe the biggest priority, but is to make it so that actually there is a change in the liability for Colorado just did this, a change in liability for police officers. That is not even a proposal at this point. Second, changing the use of force, force statute to require de-escalation prior to using deadly force. We Advocates argue that we have one of the worst use of force statutes in the country, and there are a lot of folks who want to, want to uh, reform that, but there is no proposal to do that at this point. And the other is keeping police from buying military weapons from the federal government, from the, from the U.S. military. Uh, District of Columbia just passed that. That's not on the table right now in Oregon. Uh, and I don't know if people saw that story that was circulating around. It's back in 2014 when the Los Angeles School District bought three grenade launchers and a mine-resistant oh, ambush-protected armored me. vehicle. Yeah, grenade and, launchers. And the and the well, stay tuned. The headline in the L.A. Times back then was L.A. Unified School District gives back grenade launchers, keeps rifles, and then they kept the tank. They kept the resistant ambush-protected armored vehicle. Uh, and but, but meanwhile, the Oregon police have also purchased grenade launchers from the U- U.S. military as well. Exactly why the uh, police and you know municipal and state police in our state would need grenade launchers is an excellent question. Uh, but uh, but anyway, so that bill that is not even a proposal at this point. That'll need to wait. And there's a bunch of other things: Measure 11 reform, etc. So hopefully there'll be another special session for advocates. Hopefully some of the folks who are engaged in this will be engaged. And here's my plea for those people who care about this kind of stuff. 
get nerdy on this stuff. There isn't nearly enough, and I'm going to say that this is my view. There's not nearly enough citizen advocacy within the legislature. One of our listeners, Aileen Kay, has had all sorts of influence in our state because she weighs in on issues around the environment, issues around land use planning. It helps that she lives in Salem. Maybe it helps she's been involved in Democratic politics for more years than she might want to admit. But she gets she gets engaged and she does stuff. There are all sorts of people who could have real impact on the negotiations, what's happening in Salem around police accountability. But because it's an hour away from Portland, because they build the process in such a way that might seem kind of hard to navigate, one of the reasons we want to exist is to help you navigate it. So we'll continue to try to do that. But the good news is it is your building. If you literally just drive there, park, show up, go inside, COVID-19, they might have some slightly different rules. You are allowed to be there. And if you just ask people questions, hey, where is this hearing? Where could I talk to somebody? You just spend a little bit of effort, and you'd be surprised how much influence you can have. All right, I'll jump off my soapbox. Dad, any thoughts on that, or you want to move to the next thing? Well, I I am informed that there are some restrictions right now because of COVID. They're not having, having, I guess, any live testimony. They're having live testimony, but not in person. The testimony they're taking is over. Right, that's what I mean. In person, I should have said. Yeah. All right. Uh, what story? You want to talk about Jeremy Christian, Pop? Jeremy Christian is a, has been sentenced forever. That he's going to die in prison. Uh, there, there going to be appeal on that, of course, because the his attorneys believe that the current state of Oregon law, because of things the legislature did in the last session, in part, uh, say he really ought to have a chance to get out in 30 years. I think I think Jeremy did everything he possibly could to see to it that he would be sentenced to life without parole because of his behavior and his saying in court that he wished that he had succeeded in killing one of the young women that the guys were trying to defend. But uh, I, I I am delighted to think that Jeremy Christian is to be off the street. But, you know, I'm going to make a prediction. It's not exactly a prediction, but something that I will not be surprised. I will not be surprised if Jeremy Christian does not live to a ripe old age in prison, because his, his attitude and the and who he is, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he winds up getting some prison justice. No idea what's going to happen to Jeremy Christian in in prison. I do want to shout out to Judge Albright. We've had Judge Albright on the air with us before. Uh, knew her before she was a judge. I was just stricken by this quote, struck by this quote. Uh, I believe you are, this is what she said before sentencing him to real life, to true life, to two consecutive life sentences plus a little bit. She said, I believe that you are a creative, thoughtful person, intelligent, and you desire to learn and grow. I hope one day you are able to accept responsibility for the grievous loss that you caused. I was just struck by that, that she took that moment to try to say, listen, this is still a human life. I'm putting this guy away forever. I am still hoping that he will have some version of personal redemption, not that will release him from prison, but might release him from the prison of his own mind. Uh, and I just, you know, I got to give a shout out to Judge Albright. But I'm not holding my breath. Uh, Dad, The there's a story about the cost of protest. To me, the interesting thing is not only the cost of the protest, but that the Tribune reported on it and that the sources that they use are essentially the Portland Police and the Portland Business Alliance. 
those folks, you know, one of the things they want to do is try to turn public opinion against the protests. And so they turn out the data, say, hey, it's cost it's cost police six million dollars. Hey, it's cost businesses twenty three million dollars. I would love for independent analysis to be used on those numbers to understand if, okay, that's $6 million because you just took all of the hours that the police officers spent doing that instead of doing something else? Or is it is it $6 million extra dollars? Or does it just mean we had to apply that percentage of the police budget towards this thing? Well, the police say that it was for overtime. But I don't think that's $6 million in overtime. Yeah, that, that, it's I not six million overtime. That's a legitimate question. No, I, 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 I am, I am told by a researching authority that it is not the number for overtime. So I don't understand the method, their methodology that much. I will, that much ignorance I will acknowledge. The other piece, Portland Business Alliance, saying that local merchants, uh, merchants are reporting an economic loss of twenty-three million dollars. I'd also like to know about that because, like, yeah, I understand downtown businesses aren't getting business, but you know what? In COVID nineteen, a lot of more anyway. That's so, right. so I don't know. I. I Maybe that number should if, if be vouched all they, for. If all they're doing is is reporting on their lost revenue during that period of time, that that lost revenue had to be a whole lot of, due to the fact that people were not going out to shop. And I don't mean to cheapen it, right? I mean, this does actually, of course, cost businesses money, and that is a real thing. And, of course, it costs police resources, and that is absolutely a real thing. But I also think it's interesting that the, but the challenge of not having an independent uh, sort of an independent math doer also seems interesting to me because it's not like the Portland Business Alliance is out there saying, hey, everybody, you know, get out there and, and preach for, you know, for Black Lives Matter and get out there and try to reform the police department. The, police, the Portland Business Alliance tends to have a different view, a different, uh, a different, let's say, priority when it comes to application of police resources might be worth mentioning that there were at least nine journalists that were roughed up by the police and a coincidental number that uh, there already have been nine lawsuits filed against the Portland City Police for violence committed against protesters Uh, how those suits will pan out we'll see but when you're talking about costs and cost of cops might just also notice that Washington County just agreed to pay a person who was assaulted by a sheriff's deputy in the jail has agreed to pay him $625,000 for the misconduct by a sheriff's deputy now if those nine suits hey listen if they average just half that, that would be nearly nearly what the Tribune is saying has been cost by the protesters. We got a uh, we got a text in. Jeff, is it right now? Is the news not a bad thing? The media waves it off, huh? What is the news for? A joke? From uh, that's from JG. Thank you, JG. Uh, my uh, so there were two stories. One was a NASCAR where the the current thinking is that it was not a noose it was just a rope that was used for a function the psu story the anderson construction story is at this point that it was a noose and that is a bad thing and i would say that the media on this i mean i i want to give kate k a shout out for doing uh, some more original reporting on this and actually raising the story so yeah I, i i think a joke 
if it's a joke that doesn't make it less of a bad thing. In fact, it makes it more of a bad thing if it's a joke. Because anybody who thinks that's funny, anybody who doesn't appreciate the cultural significance of that, anybody who doesn't appreciate what that does to creating a sense of safety in a workplace so that we can, in fact, effectively diversify our workplaces, that's a cultural problem that people are protesting about. It's, it's directly related to it. Okay, I'll move on. Uh, Dad, what's next from you? What's your over-under on how long the special session will last? Saturday. You think it'll be done in two days? Yeah. Wow. I, no, no. I, I didn't say I think it'll be done in two days. You asked what my over-under was. That, mean, that means I would pick. I Actually, I, I guess I would pick my over-under to be Sunday so that if any, well, what would I pick? Yeah, no, I'd pick Saturday. Saturday, I think, would be the most likely day for it to finish because that's what legislative leadership is saying. If there is a surge of public activity, if they go in and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, out of a list of 10 to 17 things, let's do more than four of them. If actually the Rose City Justice folks, and they just, here's another little piece of breaking news, they just had a leadership shift last night. Uh, Rose City Justice has been the leading group that has been leading a bunch of the protests in Portland. And they just had a leadership switch there. Uh, Darren Golden had been one, somebody who was exercising a lot of leadership there. He's former legislative aide to uh, Senator uh, Manning. By the way, you're getting really good reporting here. Nobody else knows all this stuff. Uh, and now and now there's a switch, although I won't. The reporting isn't good enough to know who the switch is to. But anyway, if those folks are organized enough, have attention focused enough to engage with Salem, it might be able to go to next week. But the original plan, Dad, was for the special session to end tomorrow. They want to get out of here. They want to do rule suspensions, go to first reading, second reading, and then vote and be done. Wow. Well, I, uh, my, my, I would guess Monday. That's a good guess. So my, my over-under might be Sunday then. I might pick Sunday just because I, I suspect they might not stick around Sunday. Well, maybe they would because the other thing, that their hard stop, they really hate sticking around past the 4th of July. So if you were going to go, like, when's the longest? The longest I would think would be, like, the second. Uh, if I were going to guess if they were really go on, but no, I think they want to try to get it done fast. And right now, the other th- if if Senator Frederick said, you know what, we do got to go bigger. Just this arbitration thing coming from the Senate side ain't enough. We got to go bigger. And if uh, and if Janelle Bynum said, you know what, we got to go bigger. And so many in the community want that to happen. But the legislative chamber is built to avoid decisions. The legislative chamber is built to avoid doing bold things. Nobody wants to make decisions and nobody wants to do bold things. Once they get in the legislature, it's a very hard thing to keep doing. If there's a change in energy, we could go longer. Otherwise, we're going to be done soon. Okay, moving on. Other other state and lo- local news that I just want to mention, uh, Robin Sells, the police chief of Gresham, who resigned last week, has recanted her resignation, and she decided she's going to stay the chief. The BLM... Oh, did she did? That's official? Is she going to stay? She doesn't have to leave? Yep, because, because in the terms of her resignation, she had seven days to change her mind, and then she got an extension to change her mind, and she's changed her mind. Wow. And they're, gonna, and they're not going to change her mind for her? No. All right. And, and the reason that it's relevant to what we're talking about, she said that she was doing it because she felt she was being pressed to do it because of racial stuff, that, which, which had to do with a, a little figurine, a gnome, spelled G-N-O-M-E, that she had that uh, was swiped by her, by her staff, apparently, as a joke. And, and she made a joke saying, gnome lives, gnome lives matter, too, which was 
in her mind, absolutely not racist. And in my mind, would not be racist. But you, there's just a lot of things you have to be careful about saying right now that can and, be dangerous. And, and you and I are not in the best position to judge exactly, what is and isn't. Exactly. Yeah. We are not. Uh, another state, state news. The BLM, the, Judge Simon, ruled that the Hammonds gr- did not were not to get their grazing permit. Uh, the Hammonds, of course, were the folks who, whose problems in eastern Oregon started everything that led to the occupation uh, in uh, in eastern Oregon. But anyhow, the BLM has withdrawn its appeal, so the Hammonds do not have a grazing permit. And then this isn't exactly just local news, but it has a real effect because Intel is very big in Oregon, and Apple has told Intel that they are going to no longer buy Intel stuff for Apple equipment because Apple's going to manufacture its own hardware. But it's giving Intel two years for that to happen, which will soften the blow. But that could have some serious economic consequences for Oregon. Dad, have you heard about this plane? Do you see the letter from the congressional delegation around the plane that was circling over the Portland protests? No. This was really interesting. I had somehow missed this too. I had seen a little thing about it, and then, but you know, it's like, okay, some plane circling. What's the what's the deal? Why does this matter? Why are people so worried? So I guess maybe there's a plane watching the protesters, seeing if anything weird happens. Well, no, Senator now Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley, Representatives Suzanne Bonamici, Earl Blumenauer, and Kurt Schrader, have all now signed onto a letter. Uh, just what yesterday, that uh, data just yesterday, demanding the Marshal Service disclose information about an airplane that circled over Portland protests about 30 times a couple weeks ago, June 13th. And here's why that matters. Do you have any guesses why that matters? Well, I probably have some information that I'm guessing is highly relevant, but go ahead. And no, say your information you think is highly relevant. Well, highly relevant. I would guess that that's probably true, and what very likely is the the airplane that is actually one of the airplanes that is uh, owned by the Portland Police Department that does that all the time is in the air several hours. No, that's the, that's not that's not the concern. It, it, it is not at this point. There is no information that it's a that it's a local plane. It appears to be a marshal, a U.S. federal plane. And oh, really, th- yeah, that's why they're that's why the congressional delegation is demanding oh, the marshal service wow. say is it a federal well, if, plane. If, it tur- if that turns out to be the case, that could be really significant. And here's what uh, and here's what the marshal ser- and here's why that could matter. Why the marshal service thing could matter is the agency for a long time has been using spying technology. It's known as cell site simulator CSS or dirt boxes that are equipped to assess the airplanes. You know those airplanes that can mine cell phone data from anyone in the plane's scope. So that means that if that plane is circling around 30 times, and here's the quote from the, from the letter, many Oregonians who protested are justifiably concerned that their participation in these lawful protests will be logged, recorded, and used against them later by the government. As such, Congress has a responsibility to investigate these reports, make sure that the government's powerful surveillance tools are under close supervision of the courts, and Americans' rights are being protected, end quote. Dad, th- I, we don't know yet, we don't have this confirmed, but this is technology that is not supposed to be used domestically. We don't have this to spy on our own people. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's big, wow. right? I didn't get how big it could be until, thankfully, thankfully, Julia Oppenheimer and the crew like banged my head against the wall, so I understood. 
while we're talking about technology, the Detroit police arrested a man because of facial technology that turned out to be wrong. As we, we all know, the facial technology does not work nearly as well on people with a dark complexion as people with a light complexion. But uh, And by nearly as well, you mean it can create false positives. It can create inaccuracies. We've demonstrated racial bias. They arrested a guy and they arrested a guy, hauled him out of his office and and put him in jail overnight and it turned out that uh, it, was, it was just bad facial recognition. And of course, what they should have done was they 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 think this is what you do is then you make an investigation before you make the arrest. And if they had done that, they would never have arrested him. I'll mention to see if he sues and if he does, he ought to get some bucks. This is an ongoing theme that matters to make help people understand. And by the way, wanna wanna give another shout out to Kate K, who's been ahead of the curve on a lot of the surveillance technology reporting, ahead of a lot of people and a lot of a lot of journalists in the country. And she's done a lot of that original reporting here and we're little, so not everybody sees it. But it's some really it's some really relevant stuff. But here's what we know. Here's one of the reasons that matters. And this is just I'll just pass along my own information. When I went back to my law school reunion and they had some, and you have some sessions for certified smarty pants to give you really interesting presentations. And they're going, it was a session on racial bias in the use of big data. And one of the examples they used was facial recognition. Another example that they used was sentencing. And, and how do you do, can you create an algorithm that, uh, that predicts which offenders are going to offend again? But the challenge is, is that all the data they were pulling up was then having a racial, uh, a racially disparate impact. Of course. And if we've had a tradition of racially disparate arrests and racially disparate convictions, then and then you base conclusions based on those track records and you feed algorithms that data, it ends up becoming a self-fulfilling or self-defeating prophecy, and it eats its own tail. So it's uh, it is an important thing. Here's another one dead locally. Oregon now has a missing murdered indigenous persons coordinator. Billy Williams, our U.S. attorney, has now announced the appointment of Cedar Wilkie Gillette to serve as the first missing and murdered indigenous persons coordinator for the District of Oregon. Uh, Dad, I hadn't noticed this. I, I, this is a story that had not been sufficiently on my radar screen. But yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of uh, a lot of missing indigenous women. Uh, and the uh, and men, but particularly indigenous women, uh, and but most of those have not been entered into the missing persons uh, database for the federal government. That would be an interesting person to, for us to get in to interview. I agree. I agree. If we could talk to if we could talk to Cedar Wilkie Gillette, that could be a really interesting thing. Maybe they'd want to do some public outreach. Uh, any other story you got before we got to move along, Pop? I've, I've got some national stuff I want to quickly report on, but before that, I want to give a factoid. I have a factoid today. Okay. The good news. Last year, the world lost about 465 nuclear weapons. I mean, that's a big deal, you know, nuclear weapons. We lost. The we bad lost. news is there's still about 13,400 left in the nine nations that have nuclear weapons. All right, Pop. Well, it is about time for straw in the wind. Holy smoke! So I can't. Can I? Can I quick laundry list my national stuff? Give a few. Give a few, and then we'll. Okay, write. William Barr says he's going to show up to the House on July 28th. I'll believe it when I see it, because he backed out every time. There are millions of Americans who are not able to pay their water bills right now. Fox ran the Tulsa 
the, the Tulsa thing, the DDT, they ran it three times, three consecutive times. At some point, we've got to ask Fox, when is it stopped being news and it's becoming election support that should be reported? The uh, DDT, uh, his health and his HHS department is published a rule to re- reduce or eliminate health care provided to transgenders. The uh, House tomorrow is going to vote on D.C. statehood. And last national news, if you would like to ride a balloon to 100,000 feet, it takes two hours to get up there, a company is offering to let you do that for just $125,000. Well, Pop, I think it is time for a straw in the wind. And I have three straws in the wind. A straw in the wind. First straw. Rhode Island. Looks like it's going to get rid of part of its official name. Rhode Island is actually Rhode Island and Providence Plantation. They're going to get rid of Providence Plantation. Band-Aid has announced that its skin color Band-Aids, they're going to be skin color band-aids for people who have darker complexions than you and me. And last, New York City is seriously proposing a bicycle bridge across the East River. Wow. Yeah, skin color, it's it, 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 a little embarrassing, Dad, that there was a crayon color when I was a kid called skin color, called flesh, right? And that yep. when I look at the human experience, I cannot name exactly what that color is. It takes more than one. All right, Pop. Well, we did it again. We did it indeed, and we'll be back on Monday. Love you, Dad. Love you.